It is so good to see you in church today. I am, um, I'm glad that you're here. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. And today, I'm just going to jump right in. I want to preach from the subject of what it means to be blessed. What it means to be blessed. How many people just desire to be blessed? Amen? Desire to be blessed by God. And maybe no, uh, there's no better place to go than, and, and to look at what it means to be blessed than, than Psalm chapter 1, where the psalmist lays out what the blessings of God are and what the blessings of God look like and what it means to walk in the blessings of God. So I'm going to go to Psalms chapter 1. If you don't have your Bible today, that's okay. We're going to have it on the screen. But before I do that, I just want to say very quickly, and I know I say this every time I get up here, but I'm going to say it again because I feel like when I stand up here, I stand on the shoulders of men who've gone before me. I'm so thankful for our pastors, Pastor JP and Miss Melissa. Are you thankful for our pastors today? I love them. I love them. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. Here's what it says. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is on the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. That's some beautiful verses, isn't it? I want to really focus on those two, but I want to read the rest of the chapter. Just four more verses here. It says, That man, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Blessed by God. What it means to walk in the blessings of God. I want to approach today's subject by, by answering two different questions regarding the blessings of God. And I want to spend most of my time on the, on the second, second question, but I think we have to, before we understand what it means to walk in the blessings of God, I think we first have to understand what the blessings of God are, amen? What the blessings of God are. And so I want to talk about, does God, does God want to bless our life? Does God want to bless our life? As a church, as Summit Church, we would affirm wholeheartedly that yes, God does want to bless our lives. That God desires to bless our lives. Unfortunately, however, there can be a lot of misunderstandings regarding what the blessings of God are. And from my experience, there have been two kind of misunderstandings on both sides of the spectrum regarding the blessings of God. And I want you to hear this because I think every person in some degree or another falls with one of, in one of these two camps. The first camp are those who undermine the blessings of God by attaching a, a type of shame to the blessings of God a type of shame to the blessings of God. They undermine the blessings of God. And here's how they do that. They regulate the blessings of God to merely spiritual matters. They regulate the blessings of God to merely spiritual matters, which is to say this, that God, God will bless us spiritually. God will bless us with a good prayer life. God will bless us with insight. God will bless us with faith. But God doesn't bless materialistically. Or, or if he does bless, we shouldn't ask for those things. Now, I know I'm, I'm speaking in kind of big terms here, but I think it's important to understand that that isn't the God of the Bible that this word presents. Some have called this the poverty gospel. And while I'm not willing to go quite that far and call it the poverty gospel, I will say it's a misunderstanding of the blessings of God and it's an undermining of the blessings of God. But it starts, and I want you to hear this, it starts with the undermining of who God is. An undermining of God who is. So I want to give you this. First of all, God's blessings, they are promises. God's blessings, they are promises. 
That's what we have to understand about the blessings of God. They are promises from God. If God said it, he will do it. If God said it, he will do it. God is, God is true to his word. And if God said that he will bless us, he will bless us. Psalm chapter one, verse one doesn't say blessed might be the man, but it says blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. It's it. I think sometimes the reason we can undermine the blessing of God is because we undermine God's fatherly nature. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter seven, verse 11. He says this, he says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Give good things to those who ask him. And so here's what we need to understand about God. God is a father who desires to bless his children. He is a father who desires to bless his children. If we aren't experiencing the blessings of God, it's not because there is a sufficiency problem in heaven, it's because there's an asking problem on earth. If we're not experiencing the blessings of God, it's not because there is a lack in heaven, it's because there's a lack of prayer on earth. God says, I am a father who desires to give to his children and bless his children. Let me say it like this. You're not a better father than God. You're not a better father than God. If you don't withhold blessings from your children, don't believe that God will withhold blessings from you because he won't. God is a father who desires to give to his children. So one end of the spectrum, we can undermine the blessings of God that way. By the other, other end, uh, uh, end of the spectrum, we can undermine the blessings of God by misprioritizing the blessings of God. By misprioritizing the blessings of God. And this is really important to God. This is really important to God that we don't replace God with his gifts. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. We don't replace God with his gifts. And that can be the temptation sometimes we're so focused on the blessings of God that, that we worship God's gifts rather than the giver of the gifts. We worship what God can give us rather than God himself. And here's what we need to understand about the blessings of God. Number two, God's blessings are secondary priorities. God's blessings are secondary priorities. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. There's nothing wrong with the things, but they have to be in the right category. They have to be in the right priority. These things will be added to you. Jesus says, listen, don't get, don't get your priorities mixed up. Don't get your priorities mixed up. Seek God first and all of these things will be added to you. There's an interesting story in John chapter 6 where uh, Jesus is, he's, he's preaching to thousands of people and, and these people are getting hungry. They're getting hungry and, and Jesus has to feed them, but all he has is five loaves of bread and two fish. And so, and he takes the bread, he blesses it and he breaks it, John chapter 6. And, and the disciples, they start handing out this bread and it's never ending. They just, it's just like, this is five loaves of bread and it's feeding 5,000 people. And it's an amazing miracle and Jesus feeds 5,000 people. It's amazing. Well, the next day, Jesus goes to the other side of the sea. This is in John chapter 6. Jesus goes to the other side of the sea and the crowd that he just fed with five loaves of bread and two fish, they follow him. And when Jesus is on the other side of the sea in Capernaum, he sees the crowd who follows him and he absolutely reads their mail. I mean, he just reads it. He calls them out. He'd be like, Jesus is walking here today and just calling us out. He calls this crowd out. And here's what he says to him. He says, he says, you didn't come to me. You're not seeking me because you saw signs. He says, that's not why you want me. 
You don't want me because you saw signs. Listen, you came to find me because you've had your fill of the loaves. That's why you found me. That's why you're seeking me. In other words, what God is saying, what Jesus is saying to this crowd, he's saying, you just want me because I filled your belly. You want me because of what I gave to you. You want me because of my gifts. You want me because of my blessings. And here's what Jesus says in John 6, 30, John 6 verse 35. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Jesus is teaching them an important principle. He says, listen, listen, if you keep going back to this bread, if this is your source of life, if this is, this is your source of meaning, it will always leave you dry. It will always leave you dry and it will always you always keep coming back for more because it can never take the place of the God of the universe. It can never take his place. He says, I am the bread of life. And here's what he says. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever comes to me shall never thirst. Come on, God is our ultimate blessing. Amen? He's our ultimate blessing. And he's the only person who can fill this gap in our lives that longs for meaning, that longs for, for notoriety or, or whatever word you want to use there. God is our priority. It's, 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 it's mean of God to, 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 to put himself over the blessings of God. Let me just tell you something. It's not mean of God at all. It's the most loving thing that God can do. It's the most loving thing that God can do because God is the creator of the universe. And he says, listen, if you go to those things, you'll always be dry. You'll always be hungry. They'll never fulfill you. I'm the only one who can fulfill you. So God is our priority. God is our blessing. And number three, here's what I want to give you today. This is what I want to spend most of our time on today is that God's blessings are principles by which we can live. God's blessings are principles by which we can live. And here's, what I wanna, here's how I want to say it today. If you take anything away, I want you to take this away. If we want to be blessed by God, and presumably you do or you wouldn't be here. If we want to be blessed by God, we must become the kind of person that God blesses. Now, I know that's not a big revelation, but I'll just encourage myself for a minute. That's some pretty good preaching. That's good stuff. If we want to be blessed by God, we must become the kind of person that God blesses. We have become the kind of person that God blesses. So many times we focus on the blessings of God, what I got to do to get the blessings. Just tell me what I got to do. And we can treat the blessings of God very formulaic. Like I'll do this and then I'll do that and then there's the final product. It's, we treat it like a, a, a cook, a, you know, ingredients to a, to a meal. Put in a little of this, put in a little of that, and then pops out the final product. And the problem with that approach to the blessings of God is this, is we depersonalize God out of the picture. And God says, I'm instantly involved in my blessing. It's not just merely like laws that we follow and then we're blessed. God says, if you don't get me, you don't get the blessing. I almost said, I almost called this point this, that God's blessings are personal. God's blessings are personal because God is personally involved in his blessing. If we want to be blessed by God, we need to become the kind of people that God blesses. Because God doesn't bless formulas. God doesn't bless, I'll do this and I'll do that, then I'll get the blessing. Listen, God blesses people. God blesses people. God blesses those who live according to his standard. According to his standard. This is a basic and fundamental truth of the gospel. Psalm chapter 1 verse 1 says this. It says, blessed is the man who... Blessed is the man who, we'll get to the rest of the verse in just a second. 
But blessed is the man who, which is to say that God doesn't just bless anyone. God's blessings are poured out on a particular type of people. God's blessings are determined by societal status. God's blessings aren't determined by the amount of money that we have in the bank. God's blessings aren't determined by the name brand clothes that we wear. But God's blessings are determined by a standard. God doesn't bless anyone. He blesses a particular type of people. A particular type of people. You know, we live in a pluralistic and and a tolerant society today. We don't have anything wrong with tolerance. We believe in tolerance, but it's the world's misguided conception of tolerance that we stand against. And, 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 And the mantra of our world today is this. Well, this is who I am. This is who I am. Just take it or leave it. If God ain't gonna bless me, he ain't gonna bless no one. You know, this is who I am. And what we have to understand about God is that God's love is unconditional. God's grace is unconditional. God's mercy for us is unconditional. So God loves you the way that you are. But God loves you too much to keep you as you are. He loves you as you are, but he loves you too much to keep you as you are. And while God's, it's good news. And while God's love is unconditional, God's mercy is unconditional. God's grace is unconditional. God's blessings are different. And God says, I will bless the person who I've called you to be, who I've called you to be. Which is to say that God will bless this sort of lifestyle, but God says there are instances and there are lifestyles, and I want you to hear this, that God says, I will not bless. I won't bless. And that's totally antithetical to the world's philosophy and how the world thinks. But this is scriptural through and through. God says, I will bless, and there are times where I will not bless. Because my blessing is determined by a standard. Let me give you just a couple of verses to prove this to you. Jeremiah 5.25 says this. It says, your iniquities have turned these away. And if you go back to the preceding verses in Jeremiah chapter 5, you'll see what these things are. God's saying the reason you don't have these things is because your iniquities and your sins have kept good from you. It's your sins. Now listen to me. I'm not saying that every bad thing that happens in our life is a result of our sin. So you need to understand that. But what I am saying is there are times in our life when we need to evaluate our lives and and, and look at our lives and determine, am I the kind of person that God says, I will bless that? I will bless that. Let me give you one more verse. John, excuse me, Proverbs 13, 13 says this. Whoever despises the word brings destruction on himself. Now just keep that up there for me, Hannah. Just leave it up. Whoever, brings, whoever despises the word brings destruction on himself. Now, that's not the kind of verse you stitch on a pillow at the house. You know what I mean? Destruction. But again, I think we need, we need an understanding of this view of God. And I think a lot of times we run from those words, destruction. A lot of times the reason we run from them is because it's, because it's rooted in a, in, in a misunderstanding of God. We, we have this idea of the, of the active justice of God, the active justice of God, that God's just in, he's in heaven with his lightning bolt and he's just gonna strike down anyone who, just, who, who disobeys him. And while there are times in scripture where God does pour out his active justice against great evil, and that is justified, I would argue that a lot of the times what we can experience, and I want you to hear this, what we can experience is the passive justice of God. And here's what I mean by that. I want, I want to 
prove to you what I mean by that. In Romans chapter one, verse 18, you get another one of these bad news verses, okay? And it says, for the wrath of God, there's that word, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. That's a bad news verse, amen? And a lot of times, again, we have this misguided conception of God. He's in heaven, he's just, he's, he's micromanaging us. But actually, Romans chapter one, when you go on into Romans chapter one, you, you, you see what that revealing of wrath looks like. Here's what Romans chapter one says. It says, so God gave them up to the passions or the desires of their flesh. Which is to say this, is that many times we think, well, God's gonna bring destruction on me. No, 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 no. It's us bringing destruction on ourselves. And God's saying, listen, if this is the way you wanna live, live that way, but I can't bless that. I can't bless that. I can't bless that kind of lifestyle. So God blesses a standard. If, if, if we want to be blessed by God, we must become the kind of person that God blesses. Because God blesses a particular type of person. And so a good question right about now is who does God bless? What kind of person does God bless? And here's what Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 2 says. He says, blessed is the man who? So the psalmist is going to give us two different types of people here. Okay, he's going to give us the positive and the negative. He's going to give us the people who God does not bless, and he's going to give us the people who God does bless. And he starts with the people that God does not bless in Psalms 1, verse 1. He says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So if you don't want to receive the blessings of God, this is a good, play, a good thing to do. This is a good thing to do. But verse 2, he tells us who God does bless. And he says, blesses the man who, verse 2, his delight is on the law of the Lord. Whose delight is on the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. That's the kind of person that God blesses. His delight is on the law of the Lord. That's so counterintuitive to the way we think of the law of God. His delight is on the law of God. His delight is on the commands of God. His delight is on the word of God. One of my favorite chapters in all the Bible is Psalms 119. If you've never read Psalms 119, I encourage you to do it. It's, a, it's an amazing chapter. From what I understand, it's the longest chapter in the Bible. And uh, yeah, so it's going to take you a little bit. Get prepared. No, but Psalms 119 and, and, and in every verse in Psalms 119, the psalmist is referring either to the word of God or the precepts of God or the commands of God or the rules of God. He's just, in every verse, it's an amazing chapter. And the sense that you get as you're reading Psalms 119 is that the psalmist delights in the word of God. You got to remember, he doesn't have the revelation of the New Testament. He's dealing with this Old Testament stuff, this Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy and the psalmist will say things like this in Psalms 119. He says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. What about this? He says, your word is a, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That is delighting in God's word. That is delighting in God's way. That's delighting in God's precepts. But so many times what can happen is we can have a, a duty mindset regarding God's word. Well, this is what I got to do. I got to follow God's word. What about this? Pastor JP, is this a sin? Because if it ain't, I really want to do it. We, we, we follow God's word in a, dutiful, in, a, in a duty way. And God says, listen, I, I don't bless duty. I bless delight. 
I don't bless duty, I bless delight. I don't bless, I gotta do this. No, God says, I bless, I get to do this. I get to follow God's way. I get to walk according to his way. Romans chapter 12, verse two says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. By the renewing of our minds. It's not a duty, it's a delight. We delight in the law of God. We delight in the commands of God. We delight in God's word. Listen to what John says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. He says, and by this we know that we have come to know him. If we what? Keep his commandments. If we keep his commandments. So many times we want to divorce love and obedience. And grace and God's word. But listen, the, 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 the best indicator of receiving the grace of God is walking according to God's word. That's the best indicator that we receive the grace of God. We keep his commandment. Whoever says, I know him, I know Jesus, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him truly, the love of God is perfected. It's perfected. The light in the law of God. God, God blesses a particular type of people and who God blesses is this, God blesses his word. God blesses his word. If we want to receive the blessings of God, we must become the kind of people that God blesses and God blesses his word. Is it hard sometimes? Of course it is. It's hard to delight in God's word. You know, we face an enemy. I don't know if you know that or not, but we face an enemy who seeks to kill, seek, kill, and destroy our lives. And it's no coincidence that what the enemy does at the beginning of the world in Genesis chapter three, you can go and read this, it's no coincidence that the first thing that the enemy does when he tempts Eve in the Garden of Eden is he asks a really simple question. And he says this, did God really say? Did God really say? The first thing the enemy does is he, 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 he tempts Eve by distorting God's word. By distorting God's word. Because the enemy understands and the enemy knows that the conduit of the blessings of God in our life and in our world is the word of God. And he can get us to disbelieve God's word. He can cut us off from God's blessings. He can cut us off from God's blessings. In Matthew chapter four, Jesus goes into the wilderness to fast for 40 days and for 40 nights. And, and when he's in the wilderness, he's being tempted by Satan. And in many ways, this is how Jesus is the greater Adam. And, and, and Satan comes and tempts Jesus. And it's so interesting how Satan tempts Jesus. He tempts him again, just like in the Garden of Eden. Eden. He tempts him by the word of God. He's quoting God's word. And so many times I'm convicted, do we, do we know God's word enough that if Satan came and tempted us with his word, that we would say, that's not what God means. That's not what God means. And Jesus corrects the enemy's misinterpretation of God's word. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. He says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Not just handling the word of truth, rightly handling the word of truth and understanding what it means. If we want to be blessed, we must become the kind of person that God blesses. And God blesses his word. Amen? Today I want to give you, a, I'm going to come to a close in just a few minutes, but I want to give you 
Three institutions that God blesses. You know, as you look at, as you look at our world today and the way that the enemy has tempted our world, I'm going to take a drink of water. Is that okay? Can you hear me? The way that um, the enemy has tempted our world, uh, Pastor JP and Pastor, let me put it this way. Pastor, Jim, Pastor JP and Pastor Kemp, a couple years ago, we're talking about three institutions that God blesses, three institutions that God blesses. And as I was studying for this message, I, um, I thought about these three institutions because when you think about the work of the enemy in our world, when you think about the work of the enemy in our world, you can see his work in these three institutions. And it's no coincidence that these are also institutions that God says, I will bless if you'll conform these to my word. And so we should find it as no surprise, first of all, that, that the enemy tempts us with the word of God and distorts the word of God, but he also will tempt us in these areas. He'll tempt us in these three institutions and get us to disbelieve what God says about his word in these three areas. And I want to give them to you today. Here's the first one, is that God blesses nations. <clears throat> God blesses nations. Or another way to put it is God blesses civil governments. God blesses civil government. And here's the lie of the enemy in civil government. Here's the lie of the enemy when it comes to nations. Is that we, is, is the separation of faith and state. Now, there is a separation of church and state. And we would wholeheartedly affirm that. Amen? If you read history at all, in the, in the medieval ages, there was no separation of church and state. And, and there was some bad stuff that happened. And so we affirm separation of church and state. But in our day and age, with secular humanism that's happened in our world, the separation of church and state has many times meant the separation of faith and state and the separation of God and state. And let me tell you something. You should be fearful of a state that is not submitted to God. Or I'll put it this way. There is no separation of faith and state. And there is no separation of God and state. A state that believes that they are not under the authority of God is a, I know this is bold to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. A, sta a state that believes that, that they are not under the authority of God is, is ushering down the judgment of God on that nation. It's as simple as that. And the reason we aren't experiencing the blessings of God, if you feel that way, is because... We have reasoned our way away from God. And this is antithetical to God. There is nowhere in scripture that suggests that nations ought to operate apart from God's word. Actually, it's the complete opposite. It's the complete opposite. I mean, you can go to the next chapter. Psalm chapter two, verse 10. It says, now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord of fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. And it says this, blessed are all who take refuge in him. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Psalms 33, 12 says this, blessed is a nation whose God is the Lord. I love how the King James Version puts it. Blessed is a nation whose God is Yahweh. Whose God is Yahweh. It is past time in our country, in our world, that we declare the righteousness of God in our world again. We declare the righteousness of God in our nation again, and we submit the need to God. 
So God blesses nations. Number two is that God blesses families. God blesses families. So God institutes civil government, but God also institutes families. And there may be no other place in our society, in our culture today, where Satan has completely told so many lies. Just so many lies. And again, it's no coincidence because the first thing that God instituted on the earth relationally was marriage. And today we have no idea what marriage is. We think it's a malleable term that we can define any way. And that is a mistake. We are not God. We are not God. The word of God says that childbearing is a blessing, that children are a blessing. Our culture says that children are an inconvenience. And if you need any proof of that, you can just look at the millions of unborn babies who are murdered in our country every year. God blesses families, and it's no coincidence that the enemy attempts to tell lies in this area. Because if he knows that if he can tell us lies in this area and distort God's word, then we cut ourselves off from the blessings of God. And here's what, here's what, here's what Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9 says. Here's what God says. He says, the Lord our God... The Lord is one. Man, you could preach on that all day long. The Lord is one. There is not many gods. We are not a truth in and of ourselves. This is not a polytheistic nation. We, are, we, we assert there is one God and we worship him. The Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And here's what he says. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. I love that. Shall be on your heart. This is not a duty. It's a delight. This is not, this is not us, just an outward expression of God's word. We worship God with our hearts, with our hearts. And you shall teach these commands. You shall teach God's word to your children, to your children. I know the nation, this nation has, has, has concluded that, that we ought to take God out of the school system. But God says otherwise. God says otherwise, and he says, teach them diligently to your children. Teach God's word to your children. Don't teach them math and forget to teach them about God. Don't teach them science and forget to teach them about God. Teach them about God. This is how we receive the blessings of God. And you shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house. So sometimes we can turn ESPN off. And talk about the Lord. Talk about the Lord. And when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. And they shall, they shall be as frontless between your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. In other words, in your coming and in your going, you focus on God's word. God's word and what he has to say. So God blesses nations and God blesses families. But lastly, I want to say this, is that God blesses churches. God blesses the church of God. Jesus said this, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not be prevailed against it. By the way, that was said in the context of Jesus asking initially, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, you are Christ, the son of the living God. And that's when Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon Brajona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father is in heaven. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so when the church of God is built upon the revelation of Jesus, God says, I'll build that church. I'll build that kind of church. 
I'll bless that kind of church. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that we attend a church that is committed to God's word. That's committed to God's word. God has blessed our church, amen? We're a growing church. God has given us influence in the community. He's given us great pastors. He's given us so many great things. We could go on and on and on. But what we need to understand today is this, that God blesses only insofar as we submit to his word. As we submit to his word. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 2, Paul gives a command to Timothy, but he gives the biggest preamble that I think I've ever seen in scripture. And if, just imagine you're young Timothy. You're just a young pastor. You're just a young preacher. And Paul, the apostle Paul is writing to you. And here's what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. That's a big, that's a big preamble. In other words, Paul says, he's going to judge you, Timothy. He's going to judge the living and the dead. And it's by his appearing and his kingdom. Here's what he says. Preach the word of God. Preach the word. Preach the word. If we want to be blessed by God, we must become the kind of people that God blesses and God blesses his word. Amen? God blesses his word. As we close today, I want to read a, a verse to you in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. If, if you're familiar with the context of Matthew chapter 7, it's the, it's the most famous message in all the Bible. It's the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus starts this message. And he actually starts with, with the word that we're talking about today. He says, blessed, blessed, blessed. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed. And then at the end of it, he, he gives he gives us command. He gives us kind of an analogy or a story. And he says this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. He says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. It had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them. So it's not enough just to hear the word of God. We've got to apply the word of God. Whoever hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell. And the floods came. And the winds blew and beat against that house. And great was the fall of it. I want you to notice something that in both instances, with the house on the rock and the house on the sand, they both faced rain, they both faced floods, and they both faced the winds. And both houses were tested. You know, the blessings of God and God's word does not mean that we will not face times of testing. It does not mean that we will not face times of trials and persecutions. We're gonna have some hard times. Right now, you may be having a hard time, a hard time. And God never promised a life without trouble. Actually, he said, in this life, you will have trouble. Doesn't he get clearer than that? You're gonna have trouble. But then he says, take heart, for I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world. 
We're going to face rain. We're going to face floods. We're going to face testing. But God's promise is this. You're going to stand. You're going to stand because you are founded on the rock and the firm foundation of God's word. So God's world, the world rather, may ridicule the word. It may be hard to stand. It may at times may be hard to believe. And the enemy is giving us every excuse not to believe. Every excuse not to believe. Giving us every excuse not to stand. But God says, hold firm. Hold firm to the word of God. Stand on the word of God. Believe in the word of God. Because I'm going to bless your life. I'm going to bless your family. I'm going to bless this church. I'm going to bless this nation when we submit to God's word. Do you receive that today, church? Can we bow our heads and close our eyes today? God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your word. Lord, your word goes forth and it does not return void. It goes forth and it does not return void. It will accomplish that for which it was set to accomplish. It will accomplish that for which it was set to accomplish. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. And we thank you that we stand on the word of God. We stand on the word of God that stands forever. Man's wisdom will falter and fail. Man's philosophies will fall, will falter and fail, but God's word will not. And we thank you for that. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I just want to, I want to give a moment. Maybe you're here today and you say, man, I want to receive the blessings of God in my life. I want to become the kind of person that God blesses. Here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Later on in Romans chapter 10, it says faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. And so I'm believing right now that faith's in this place, that faith is rising up in this place. So right now in your own way, it's not about lifting a hand. It's not even about mechanically saying a prayer. It's about in your own heart just saying, God, I make you the Lord of my life. You can just do that right now. You can just say something like this, God, I make you the Lord and Savior of my life. God, I repent of my sins. I repent of the way that I've been living. God, I pray that you would come save me and that you would deliver me and you would heal me. That your Holy Spirit would lead me, that your Holy Spirit would guide me. I give you my life today, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, everybody said. Can we just give Jesus one more shout of praise today? Amen. Come on, let's stand together today. I want to say one more blessing over you today before we dismiss our prayer teams, if you wouldn't mind coming to the front. I want to say a prayer of blessing over you today. God, I pray that you would bless us as we go today. And our coming and our going, God, I pray that you would bless our lives. That our minds, attention, that our hearts, affection would be on the word of God and what you have to say. God, I pray that you would bless us. That you would bless us. You would bless our nation. You would bless our families. You would bless our church. In Jesus' name we pray.